Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, October 17th. Scripps Health patients with Medicare have to make some changes. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A settlement filed yesterday in a lawsuit over the Trump administration's separation of parents and their children at the border bars the government from similar separations for eight years. It also provides benefits like the ability for parents to come to America and work. The settlement is between the Biden administration and the ACLU, which has been representing families separated from their children. The deal still has to be approved by a judge. Some good news if you still haven't filed your taxes. The original extended deadline was yesterday, but the IRS postponed it again. You now have until November 16th to file your tax returns and pay any remaining federal income taxes owed for the last year. The deadline was extended for those living in counties impacted by this year's storms, including here in San Diego. Most California counties qualify for the extension. San Diego Wave FC closed out their second regular season by clinching the National Women's Soccer League Shield on Sunday after a win against Racing Louisville. The Shield is awarded to the team with the best regular season record. It's the first regular season title for San Diego. Amanda Farr is a member of the Siren Soccer Supporter Group. The Wave did so much during their first year um, and they, you know, were just such an explosive expansion team in the NWSL. And so to see them just continue that into their second year um, and be able to just build on the success and the foundation that they had in their first year, it's um, it's so exciting. The Wave is entering the playoffs as the number one overall seed. Their semifinal match is on November 5th at Snapdragon Stadium. Tickets will go on sale at 10 a.m. today. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hey, hey, hey. This is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. Open enrollment for Medicare just started, and more than 30,000 Scripps clients in the county who have Medicare Advantage plans are now facing a difficult choice. Here's more from reporter John Carroll. As of January 1st, Scripps Health will no longer accept so-called Medicare Advantage programs. These are run by private insurance companies licensed by Medicare to provide coverage. Scripps patients will have to decide whether they want to keep their Advantage plan or their doctors. Scripps President and CEO Chris Van Gorder says while many of the insurance companies are raking in big profits, Scripps is losing tens of millions of dollars. He says healthcare providers like Scripps are limited in what advice they can give their clients, but he does have one suggestion. 
you need to call your insurance broker. So you need to call your insurance company uh, to make any adjustments or changes that you want to make. Medicare Advantage customers have until December 7th to make their choices. That's when open enrollment closes. John Carroll, KPBS News. It's Undocumented Student Action Week on community college campuses across the state. Education reporter M.G. Perez tells us more about what's happening. There are an estimated 100,000 undocumented students enrolled in California's public and independent colleges and universities. The San Diego Community College District joins other districts around the state in taking action this week to provide resources and information to immigrant students. Victor Gonzalez is counselor of the district's immigration support program with personal experience of his own legal status struggle. So I, I still have the, those fears, even though I'm protective, I have a work permit, but society still sees me as, a, as an undocumented student. With that work permit, Gonzalez was able to earn a bachelor's degree in social work and then a master's degree in counseling from San Diego State, one of many success stories recognized during this week of action. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. The California Coastal Commission has approved the repair permit for the seawall protecting homes along a stretch of Oceanside's beaches. But the permit comes with conditions. North County reporter Alexander Wynn explains. The Coastal Commission approved the building of the seawall more than 40 years ago. Since then, owners have added staircases, concrete landings, and fire pits on top of the seawall. None of those were permitted. Mitch Silverstein is the San Diego manager of the Surfrider Foundation. He says when the city approved the permit for the wall repairs last year, Surfrider had some concerns. The public is going to get a bad deal and that we may actually lose beach access and the situation of, of eroding beaches in Oceanside will become even worse because of this. Surfrider, along with another environmental group, filed an appeal with the California Coastal Commission. At last week's commission meeting, the commissioners sided with the environmental groups. Gunk are the stairs and other unapproved improvements owners have made throughout the years. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. And the city of Oceanside is holding a design competition to find ways to place and retain sand on its disappearing beaches. The designs are coming from international firms, and North County reporter Tanya Thorne says the public is invited to learn more and meet the designers tonight. The three design teams will present refined concepts and get community feedback at the second public workshop of Oceanside's ReBeach project. Some of their ideas include extending beaches further inland, building pipelines that move sand from one area to the next, sand speed bumps, and peninsulas that double as public access areas. Jamie Timberlake, Oceanside's coastal administrator, says the project is getting worldwide attention. The efforts being made in Oceanside are innovative and that they're, it's inclusive of the community, but also of the Coastal Commission early on. This workshop will be held at Oceanside's Museum of Art from 4 to 7 p.m. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, we hear from the San Diegan who was awarded most influential Filipina in the world. We'll have that and more just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. The Filipina Women's Network honors women of Philippine ancestry who are breaking glass ceilings in their respective fields with the Most Influential Filipina in the World Award. This year, that recognition goes to Rohani Zapanta, a San Diego Superior Court judge. She is the second Filipina-American to sit on the bench. She's also a graduate of USD's law school. Zapanta will be honored at a ceremony later this month, Filipino-American History Month. She joined my colleague Jade Heidman to talk more about her journey and what this recognition means to her. What does it mean to you personally to be recognized as one of the most influential Filipina women in the world? I am so grateful and humbled. Um, what does it mean for me? I, I was explaining to many people, you know, that I literally cried when I got the news. And I was explaining to my husband, who initially I called and let him know, that it really does feel like a warm embrace from my Filipina sisters. It really does. Yeah. So, you know, how did you react <laughs> when you first found out? Well, there there was a process, you know, and I understood that there was a vetting process as well with all my information. But there was an interview um, with uh, board members and a panel from, I, I believe on my interview, there were three or four different time zones. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I had waited um, and they said it could be any time between months or weeks before the summit um, that they'll be announcing it. And when I got the news, it was really, really just shocking, overwhelming, really, because I, I realized just how many leaders and inspirational women have come before me in, in this award and recognition. So again, like I've, I've said, and I, I really, truly feel a recognition is also a responsibility to do the same for others. Yeah, and I, all of your work has led you to this moment. So what does your work as San Diego Superior Court uh, judge entail? Right now, I am assigned to a juvenile court out here in Kearney Mesa, the juvenile court, and I'm in a juvenile justice assignment. So what we do is we hear cases and I hear arguments and positions from uh, the district attorney's office and uh, defense counsel on cases involving youth who are facing criminal charges. And we use the juvenile justice legal statutes to um, apply to their case and make rulings. So uh, that's the bulk of what I'm doing out here in juvenile court. And every once in a while, I'll also cover and hear juvenile dependency cases where those cases are not criminal justice involved. They're ones that involve uh, child welfare services. Um, involving children who are um, facing abuse or neglect. Yeah. You know, in an interview with the San Diego Union Tribune, you mentioned that your goal is to help young people develop a sense of self. So why is that important to you? It's really important because, you know, oftentimes in, in cases that I see with youth, they're, they're given an opportunity for maybe that split second to take a moment before they engage in whatever behavior it is that led them, you know, before me in court. And what my hope is that 
those two or three seconds can come from them having a sense of self, the pause to decide, is this something that's healthy and safe for me and for those around me? Is what I'm about to do or what I'm about to decide to do is something healthy and safe for me or those around me? I think it does come with a sense of value that they have value to bring to others and that others see value in them. That's what I mean by a sense of self. And so a lot of what I do as a judge um, in court, in addition to following the law and implementing the laws, delivering rulings in ways that acknowledges little bits and pieces of what I see and what the evidence reveals about who they are as people and individuals. And hopefully they can rediscover that sense of self. Yeah. So you spent 13 years working as a public defender. Uh, You've also been a trial attorney. So what sparked your interest in law? You know, it, it started with just my circumstances. I think that growing up in a bilingual household, you know, I had a grandmother who never went to a, a day of school in her life um, till the day she died. She uh, didn't know how to read or write. So a lot of her being able to navigate through would be through interpretation and us explaining to her different processes. Um, she actually worked on an assembly in Salinas, she was one of those people that would bunch the green onions with the blue rubber band that you see at the grocery stores. But her way of navigating and being able to fill out forms and being able to um, go over things and in in the world with services and medical appointments all came from the help of others. I was one of those people. She lived with us for a good amount of years and Then, of course, relatives and friends did the same, you know, and I realized navigating as an immigrant in this country, but navigating in this country in general is important to understand and appreciate the laws and the rules, and then to get into a deeper dive and understand the why behind those really just began my love for the law and the acknowledgement of an individual's right to respect and dignity. That was huge for me. As we mentioned, it is Filipino American History Month. What does it mean to you? You know, it's Filipino American History and Heritage Month. So first of all, we acknowledge that Filipinos have been and Filipinx communities have been in the state of California in the United States for centuries. And so our presence has been here. I think now heritage and celebrating, you know, what we have to offer and what we, what our core values bring, you know, just not only to our communities, to our workplaces, um, to where we branch out, where sometimes we'll be the only uh, of our, of our background, but that that's an opportunity, you know, to share and connect. So what's next for you? I mean, you've done so much and accomplished so much. Well, you know, I mean, first off is is going to receive the award, <laughs> you know, um, in Prague, the Czech Republic. I've never been, so I'm I'm super excited. It's going to be a busy uh, summit. Uh, they've kindly asked me to present on race and intersectionality, so there's a lot of preparation going on there. And I think I've mentioned it earlier, but if I haven't, it's that several time zones that we're coordinating and, and preparing for that and these meetings that start at six in the morning, so... <laughs> 
baby steps. I'm, I, I'm preparing in a lot of my days in addition to obviously the important work that I do as a judge is my free time right now is in preparation for the summit so that when I'm there, maybe I'll have time to just enjoy the city and um, the culture there. That was San Diego Superior Court Judge Brahani Zapanta speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. Dia de los Muertos is a Mexican tradition that celebrates death, life, and memories of the departed. This year, KPBS is hosting a digital community ofrenda, or altar, where you can celebrate a loved one who has passed away. You can share photos and memories at kpbs.org slash dayofthedead, or you can call 619-452-0228 and leave a message. Make sure to include your loved one's name, their relationship to you, your name, and where you're from. We are accepting submissions through Sunday. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. Plus, we hear from the artist and musician who created a musical bridge on a freeway overpass in Golden Hill. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Tuesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.